Great. Hopefully you have got to know someone next to you a bit more um, and found out what's going on with them. This is James. Some of you don't know him. He wants me to introduce him, which makes me think he's a bit nervous about being here, which is really sweet. But he's, um, he's one of our vicars, and he's going to come and speak to us this morning from Genesis 19. Yes? Shall I just pray for you before we start? Lord, we thank you for what you've put on James's heart this morning to share with us, and we pray that what he says would be of you and what we hear would be of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Abby. Um, on the year planner um, at the B&A office, um, for Sunday the 16th of January, it reads, Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah must not be all age. Um, if, you, if you don't get the significance of that, you're about to find out. Um, I should... Um, say at this point that um, this sermon is 12A rated. Um, uh, So if if you're here and and you've got a child that um, hasn't been able to settle in kids' church this morning um, and they're below the age of 12, then I'd I'd recommend that they're they're not in. We don't normally say that, but in order to cover what we're we're covering um, uh, this morning, um, that's uh, a kind of a health warning. Um, the, the youth um, are, um, were going to be with us. I don't know whether they are with us. If, if anyone here and they are youth, um, that's great because actually um, uh, they're more comfortable talking about sex than many adults are. Um, and uh, that's representative of a wider culture that is comfortable talking about sex, which is at odds with the church, which in its... Um, Inability to define, as a denomination, the Church of England, where we think consensual sex should happen. Um, the net result of us being uncertain about that is that we don't then end up talking about it and teaching about it. And so the aim of this morning um, is um, to deal with a crisis of confidence, in part. Not gonna, you're not going to leave here knowing everything. I've only got 20 minutes um, uh, so, but hopefully, <clears throat> we're going to address a few issues around the area of sex and Christianity that should help us uh, to grow in confidence about what it means to be a Christian. Um, I'm going to read from Genesis 19. It's going to come up on the screens. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night, and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you. And you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. 
Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, Hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of the dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a small town near enough to run to and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, And he brought brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I slept with my father, let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. This is the word of the Lord 
thanks be to God. Sometimes you don't necessarily want to say thanks be to God. You also don't necessarily want to say thanks be to God when your name appears next to this passage on a rotor. Um, uh, but um, we're committed to teaching the whole council of Scripture. We don't want to duck it. Um, uh, however, I cannot unpack the whole implications of this passage uh, in one day. If we spent all day here, I would not be able to do it. But I'm going to come at it from a particular angle, which is looking at how we as Christians can respond um, in a sexually dysfunctional society to what God is asking us to do. And there are three things that I'm going to talk about in response to this text. Firstly, what it means for us to be lost in the face of peer pressure around sex, for us to be lost in the face of peer pressure around sex, Secondly, um, those of us who need to leave a place where we shouldn't be, to leave a place where we shouldn't be. And thirdly, those of us longing for something that we don't have in the world of sex. Um, When I look around congregations, I'm looking to see who is engaging with me. I'm not thinking about those people um, who might match particular categories. So if you catch my eye at any point... Um, it's probably random, not the Lord looking straight at you. Do you ever find yourself lost in the face of peer pressure? Perhaps um, uh, you don't know what to do when, or you didn't know what to do when your boyfriend uh, wanted you to move past kissing. Or what to say when a friend asks you, what do you think as a Christian about Philip Schofield coming out? Or how do you start a conversation about your understanding of sex with a godchild who is becoming a teenager, a grandchild, or even your own child? In all of those circumstances, um, there is pressure coming from peers towards the Christian position. Most of us have been involved in a situation like that at some point in our life. And if you haven't, you're probably within a few feet of somebody who has or is currently experiencing that. Lots there in this passage The peers are there. They are placing pressure on him. The guests that he has welcomed into his home, they want him to bring them out so that they can have sex with them. Lot is a wanderer by nature. He has enjoyed hospitality in so many different places and he has enjoyed hospitality in this city and that is why he has stayed. So to him the safety of his guests is vitally important. That's why he's even at the city gate in the first place looking to welcome them because that's the place where guests would turn up to be met. And in a moment of stupidity, he gives up his daughters. That doesn't happen in the end. But he says, here, you can have my daughters. Many of us will read that and go... What was he thinking? But if we're honest, when we find ourselves under pressure, 
around the issue of sex, we can look back and say, what were we thinking when we did that? Or what were they thinking when they did that? It may have been the loss of virginity. It may have been um, uh, losing your conviction in the power of Scripture. Or it may have been surrendering an opportunity to contribute towards somebody else's learning about Christianity and sex. What do we do when faced with peer pressure? Well, Jesus himself faced peer pressure uh, as he was coming towards his last days. People were wanting him to say that he wasn't who he had said he was and is. They were wanting him to take it back. But he was not willing to do that. And the reason he was not willing to do that was that you are his treasure. You are his treasure. And so when pressure came on him, instead of coughing up you, he coughed up himself. He went to the cross in our place. Because whereas for the rest of us, as St. Augustine said, the rest of us have disordered loves, Jesus had ordered loves. And we were first on his list. And so he gave himself up to make sure that we were free. Lovely, um, the answer's Jesus. Um, what does that actually mean? Well, to be a, a Christian is to be filled with God. So I have a satsuma, if you're listening to the recording, and if I were to put this on the ground and I were to stamp on it, what would come out? Juice, because it's been connected to the tree that is the source of its life. I have a peeled satsuma, so I just have its skin. If I put that on the floor and I stamp on it, what comes out? Nothing. So when pressure comes on us, if we're filled with the presence of Jesus, Jesus comes out of us. So when we're responding to pressure, which is often about opinions, what we're not offering is opinions back in the same measure. We're offering a person. So uh, 10 days ago, I was emailed by um, a clergy person from another diocese with nine questions about issues in human sexuality. I've never met them, never spoken to them, but they wanted me to answer these nine questions. (laughs) And um, I wrote back and I said, I'm really sorry, I worked out a long time ago that I wasn't actually as good at essay writing as I thought I was, so you won't be getting an answer from me. To which they responded, well, will you talk on the phone? To which I responded, well, after I stopped writing essays, I worked in headhunting and spoke on the phone to strangers, and I worked out that I don't like talking on the phone to strangers. And they got the point and apologized. And, and my, my response is actually, over email, I cannot give you Jesus. Over email, I cannot give you Jesus. So when we come into these conversations where we are faced by peer pressure, and that will happen in all sorts of different ways, unless we are filled with Jesus, we're offering them whatever else it is that we're filled with. 
because he faced peer pressure and coughed up himself because we are his treasure. We can be filled with him so that when we face peer pressure, what we are giving is him. What we are giving is him. Which is just as well because I don't have all the answers, but he does. So, that's the first point. If, you, if you're um, lost in the face of peer pressure, offer Jesus. Secondly, you might need to leave a place you're not supposed to be in. That um, typically um, could be a relationship that you know isn't healthy or a habit that isn't godly. A relationship that isn't healthy and a habit that isn't godly. Um, Lot's wife is told to leave. And um, this is a moment to say there is so much in this passage that um, uh, is um, uh, worthy of discussion that I am not talking about today. But Lot's wife leaves and she's told not to look back. And lo and behold, she does. And then she snuffs it. Now, um, whatever you think about that, Lot's wife is a, is a symbol. She is a parable of human repentance in the Bible. That when we try to do it by ourselves, when we try to obey what the Lord does by ourselves, we are incapable of doing it. Um, we can go back to the early chapters of Genesis to look at that in a bit more detail. Um, uh, but this is essentially... Um, the, the human story, that we needed Jesus to come because we in and of ourselves were incapable of obeying God's instruction to us. The law was not able to save us. We needed him to come because only he could do what Lot's wife was doing. Only he could live a life of holiness and true repentance. Only he could offer a life of sacrifice before the Father. Only him. So what that means is that when we are caught in places that we're not supposed to be in, and we try to leave them by ourselves, and we are Christians, we are behaving like Lot's wife, and we're putting ourselves back in the old covenant rather than living into the new covenant. So for example... I've had a conversation with somebody in the last couple of months about their addiction to pornography. And what I've heard them say is, I will do it differently next time. I'm I'm going to beat this. And I had to say to them, you won't. You might have a good run. It might last for a little while. But ultimately, you are no match for sin. You are no match for sin. Jesus came because you couldn't make the right decisions in the first place. He came because you couldn't make the right decisions in the first place. He didn't come to wipe out the past so that you could then live by yourself until you die. Um, He came to show you how to live, but also to enable you how to live. And so if you this morning find yourself in a situation where you know that it's not a godly place 
you're not in God's purposes right now. And you know that you need to leave it. Or somebody you know is in a place where they know that they need to leave it. Don't respond by saying, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this differently. God, in his mercy and grace, longs to draw alongside you. And he longs to do that repentance in your life. So rather than saying, I'm going to do this, you're effectively casting yourself. It's like falling back into grace and saying, God, I cannot do this. I need you to live this life in me. I surrender. I surrender. If you're lost in the face of peer pressure, offer Jesus. If you're trying to leave a place, you shouldn't be. Surrender to Jesus. If you're longing for something you don't have, remember that you are longed for. Many long for a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, a child, intimacy, sexual fulfillment, more sex, whatever it is. Many people have longings that they don't have. And these are real physical desires. In this passage, Lot's daughters embody this situation. And whilst they come to quite an extreme conclusion about how they should act on their desires that I'm not sure I've come across too much in my time in pastoral ministry... I do know that this is a problem that actually is present in the life of the church. It's just that people respond to that problem differently. Some of us have these desires and are allowing them to become destructive forces in our lives because we will compromise ourselves just to satisfy these longings. Um, being married and um, having uh, children myself, I find myself preparing the talk thinking, this is the point at which I would like to leave the stage and somebody come and speak authentically from that position, having slayed that dragon with God. Um, I, I can't do that. What I can say is this, um, that in a parallel situation um, that, that is, is very different, um, in the midst of grief over my father's death nine years ago, I have tried multiple ways of compensating for the longing for that relationship to be uh, restored. Um, and those have included um, sharing stories with other people, counseling, holidays, mentors, even at times wearing his clothes or staring at photos of him for long periods of time. I have been longing for him, but the only thing that genuinely heals in those moments is God saying to me, you're my son. And when his word comes to me and it speaks into my life. I know that 
I am experiencing his healing. So if you're longing for things that you don't have in the area of sex, or if you know somebody that is, I would encourage you to hear the word of the Lord to you this morning that you are his. That he longs for you and his longing for you is greater than any longing that you have in your heart that is not met. He longs for you. If you are lost in the face of peer pressure, offer Jesus. If you are wanting to leave a place you shouldn't be, surrender to Jesus. And if you're longing for something you don't have, remember your longed for. In recent weeks, we've spoken about the importance of um, marshalling our resources for God's mission and joining in with what God is doing. And, and God is doing things here. He is stirring stuff up. And this issue of sex is one of the major barriers that we have to traverse as a community before we have anything meaningful to say to the world. It's something that we must acknowledge actually has come into the church and we need to learn and grow into what it means to be healthy in this area. And so this morning I haven't tackled the whole area. We would be here for a lot longer than we have been already. But we've tackled three different places that require three different responses, all of which have their root in Jesus Christ. Amen. When we were talking about preparing for this morning and how people might want to respond after this talk, we obviously reckoned that people who have addictions or relationships that they wanted to leave would be very happy to come to the front and be prayed for. No, we didn't. Um, uh, we we, we recognise that actually people um, uh, would want to be prayed for because this, is, this will have stirred stuff up um, where they are without necessarily acknowledging that, even to the people sat around you. And so we'd love to pray um, for those second and third categories, and we will do that. But I, I as a, a parent of a, a teenager and a foster carer to a teenager... I'm aware that I'm in that first category of, of, of being lost in the face of peer pressure. So actually, I'm, I'm going to invite people to, to join me um, uh, in, in acknowledging that. I'm, when, when the worship band come up, I'm, I'm going to kneel um, in the aisle, and I'm going to invite others who, who feel that sense of being lost to, to do the same, just as a way of acknowledging before God, um, we need to be filled with you so that we offer you. Um, I'm aware that this has been a um, contentious subject, and so what I would like to do is offer two things as well. One is I'm going to pray for anyone who's found this a difficult topic um, without having fitted into any of those categories now, and um, I'm going to be um, over there at the end of the service for anyone who's got any questions. I guarantee that I will not be able to answer all of them.
Shall we pray?